Well, it's only been, you know, plus or minus half a day, and I'm still higher than Cheech and Chong's hot air balloon. You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. I'll be telling you about Game Time in just a little bit. But, Jimmy, I'm still just on this euphoric high. I've actually already driven this 132. I got up at 420 this morning. Ha-ha, sort of goes along with my opening joke. Um, and uh, then I take my kids to Nashville, drop them off with their mama, and then I came back. I'm already back in Birmingham. And... Um, I've all I've done, honestly, I mean, I put it on my car where I could listen to like the, the some of the replay of the game. And it's just it's still really unbelievable. I tweeted this out that um, I've rewatched the final, I don't know, two, three minutes of this game a bunch already. And I'm still nervous every time that that's just <laughs> it's a great feeling to come on top uh, of that. But uh, it does it like every time I'm I'm just. When that snap goes past Milrow, I'm thinking, oh, God, we screwed it up again. You know, it's uh, part of the fun of football, I think, Luke, is is winning uh, in exciting fashion. You can't win any more exciting than that. And if you think about it, this season, Alabama's big wins have been sort of comfortable, right? I mean, it didn't take a last-minute field goal to beat LSU or a last-minute defensive stand to beat Tennessee. Um, I think the A&M game was pretty exciting in terms of what we did over there. But uh, overall, uh, the, you know, there hasn't been a lot of uh, endings that were super dramatic. And uh, Alabama made up for it all at once. I mean, for not having exciting endings of games previously, uh, Alabama made up for it all at once because, I mean, that, that play will live on forever. We'll talk about it forever. It'll be a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now. It'll be the ten-year anniversary of the kick six. It'll be the ten-year anniversary of – you know, t- yesterday was 10-year anniversary of Kick 6. N- 10 years from now, it'll be the 10-year anniversary of whatever we decide ultimately to, to call that play. Uh, what do you call it? I mean, I've seen 4th and 1, W-O-N, and I even used that. And then I was like, well, but it was – maybe if you make it 4th and 31, which is what it actually was, and you spell 1, W-O-N. I don't know that we really – we're not – you know, we, we're not great at naming things. We, we have second and 26. That'll always be. I think we just go with fourth and 31. I think fourth and 31. Yeah. Fourth and 31, however you want to spell the one. I think fourth and 31 because, I mean, I, I would say it's our last big play. It can't be true because it was six years ago. But I think second and 26 and fourth and 31 will live forever in terms of we will know what we're talking about. When we say fourth and 31, it won't be like, which game is that? You know, I, I think I think so. And so many heroes in a game decided by one play, Luke, uh, it's not one play, right? Uh, it's decided by the one play, Milro to Bond, but other huge plays, the recovery of the of the muff punt, uh, you know, uh, uh, the fourth down play that Roy Dell, when, when we changed the play at the line of scrimmage and tossed it outside. And that was uh, cut off, know. by the way. He had to cut it inside for that. That was a great play by him. Yeah, third and great block by Robbie Oost who saved the season with a, with a great block. Uh, third and 20, and Milrow ran for 19 and a half yards, you know, to set, to set even that up. 
uh, all sorts of big plays. The big plays to Burton early, to Jermaine Burton, uh, several big-time runs by Milrow, uh, just, a, just a lot of spectacular big plays. And, uh, you know, when, whenever you're talking about a game decided by one play, it's funny because it's not one play. It's, it's several plays that allowed you to be in a position for it all to come down to one play. And uh, Alabama made it. Milrow made it. Isaiah Bond. How, how cool of a cucumber do you have to be, Luke, to just catch a ball with the entire season riding on it? <laughs> and you got a defender not just in your face. You know, one of the things, there's so many things that get me upset about this game. And one of them is the Bond push-off. Hey, look, I'm admitting there was a bit of a push-off. I'm oh, admitting there was. He, he pushed this, off. This is, wait a minute. I don't I'm mean to cut you off. That's such a off. non-starter stupid thing. But and it's, frankly, I've seen most Auburn people be like, uh, in fact, uh, DJ James was also pulling his jersey, so it kind of worked That's out. That's exactly what I was leading up to. DJ James pulled his jersey before Bond pushed off. So which one are we upset about, you know? Uh, so I, I think D, what DJ James did – was just as interfery, is that a word? As uh, as what uh, what Bond did to me, it's just not a thing. It's not a story. It's it's DJ James pulled his jersey. Bond pushed him off of him, and it's just something that should be a no call every time, particularly in that game situation. But uh, gosh, so much to talk about that game. I, I love how you put how long can we celebrate as one of the topics today because. I want to celebrate this for a month, yeah. but we can't. We yeah, can't. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I li- I'm staying, you know, where I live right now is a, less than a mile from the football building. Uh, the football staff is in there. They're working on Georgia right now. They're working on Georgia. As we speak, the the, the, the parking lot is full of coaches. <laughs> uh, they're working on Georgia. So, you know, as fans, I think we, I think we need to turn the page because – incredible challenge coming up this Saturday. One of the biggest games of the Nick Saban era, win or lose. So true. Um, I'm going to celebrate a little longer. I'm going to let this linger a little bit. Um, And I want to go back to just the, the improbability of it all. I really think that converting fourth and 31 in Auburn, when again, it's down, this is all you can do is throw it up and pray to God. But that's not really what we did. I mean, and I love that we actually have a name for this play called Grave Digger. And we can say we have a name for it, but it's at the same time, it just, a lot of things have to go right. But so much had to go right in the sense that Auburn had to only rush two people. And for some reason, they had a spy, which I find ironic that our receiver named Bond was able to catch it. And they had a spy. I mean, a needless spy. How about that Saban was asked, as you know, we did the press conference show last night, the live show, and Saban was asked during the press conference, do you have a name for that play? And Nick said, uh, yeah, we do, but I'm not going to tell you. And then outside, the media asked Isaiah Bond, do you have a name for that play? And Bond said, yeah, it's Gravedigger. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you know what, Isaiah, you've earned the right to do that, bro. Um, well, it's not like we're going to run that exact same play again in that same situation. The beauty about football, now we got to change it. Well, I hope we don't have to either, but now we got to change it a little bit. Well, exactly. But um, the throw, and again, people think that that every night, when you say something remotely negative about Milrow's play, sometimes it's like you're killing him. Let me just say this. Milrow is what he is, but he keeps being better. Now, the, the 
and the snap wasn't necessarily his fault. It, it, it wasn't his fault at all. Actually, it was a terrible snap. The next play where he crosses the line of scrimmage and goes back, that okay, that was his fault. That was his fault. <laughs> but, you know, fault. the the pass that he made, how many quarterbacks in the country can make that pass? Not many. Not many. I mean, he had to throw it up. I mean, it was fourth and 31, but he threw it about three or four yards behind the line of scrimmage and had to go basically 10 yards or let's call it nine yards. I mean, he threw about a, what, a uh, 40-some-odd yard pass on a dime. And, and just hit him with the only place that he could put it where Isaiah Bond could catch it and come down and bounce. And it's amazing. His ceiling keeps growing. His floor keeps staying the same. The problem is there's still a floor. There's definitely still that floor there. And he's going to do some things like cross the line of scrimmage twice in a game. I'm, by the way, Jimmy, I've only seen that happen like in a game one time where like a quarterback passes the line of scrimmage accidentally. Uh, and it's just usually just over. It happened three times in this Iron Bowl, and all of them were egregious. I mean, like three yards down the field, banana stuff. Yeah, and I don't recall him doing that before. I think there's a a couple of things that sound conflicting maybe to some, but I I think Milrow, uh, as he's gained experience, has cut down on the errors. There are still some errors, and I think to some extent there will always be with him. I think this is sort of who he is and what kind of player he is. But the thing is, you live with the errors because there's so many big plays. The errors would be worse if there were no big plays. But he makes about, I don't know, four or five great plays to every one bad play. And you just learn to live with that ratio. If you're like, no, no, I want a quarterback that makes no errors. Okay, well, then we'll get Greg McElroy back. And that works when your defense is what the defense was then. I'm just saying if you want the – if you want the 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 Milro that makes no no mistakes, you're probably getting the Milro who makes no plays, uh, and, and that's just who he is. He's a playmaker. There's some upside and some downside. That's who he is. And one other thing that we do as fans, because Milro does make errors, uh, we overdo it a little bit in terms of we pretend like he's making more errors than all other quarterbacks. That's absolutely insane and wrong. We just harp on it because when he made a lot of errors as a brand new, inexperienced quarterback, we got just, you know, we got rabbit ears over it. Is that what they call it? Rabbit ears, where it's like all he's got to do is make a mistake and it's there goes Milrow again. Uh, and, and we don't do things like there goes Peyton Thorne again when Peyton probably made far more worse plays than Milrow without the big plays to make up for it. And, you know, Jimmy, you said it well, and we're going to talk about game time here in a second. Then when we come back, we're going to just keep talking about reviewing this game for right now. Um, the ratio. It, it, it was, at the beginning of the season, probably three good plays to one bad play. Yeah. I would say the ratio is now like six good plays to one bad play, and it's trending right. up. So Correct. that's that's where, you know, Milrow has gotten so much better. The bad plays are still going to be there, but he's making a lot more good plays. I want to tell everybody about game time right now. And look, if you're looking for tickets for the SEC championship game, there is no better place to go than game time because you shouldn't have to worry about when you're buying your tickets to the next event or where you're going to get them. You just shouldn't worry about it. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater events near you with killer last minute deals all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They have last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event. 
Just absolutely awesome stuff. I've used Game Time myself personally several times already, even for the World Series for my son, who's out in Arizona. He loved the tickets. Everything went fantastic. I used it for the Tennessee game this year. I used it for a Miami Dolphins versus Carolina Panthers game this year. So, I mean, you can use it for anything. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Jimmy, one a uh, couple other things. One other thing I noticed, um, <clears throat> I don't know if this has ever happened in college football history. First of all, I did see a tweet where somebody was like, we can't find a record of anybody converting mm-hmm. a fourth and goal from from uh, the 31 or, or 30 yards out in the history of college football. That blows my mind. I mean, you would think it's somewhere somebody's done it. Right. It might be the first time it's ever happened. It no one has be. found it. I know that in the last – 90 times there has been a third and 31 or fourth and 31 or longer the last 90 times in any college football game, 0 for 90. Uh, true, but it wasn't now one fourth, for 91. Wasn't fourth and goal. You know, no, no some, of, some of that was just third and 31 or fourth and 31 or longer, and that wasn't even – Fourth and goal. I, I think it's quite possible, Luke, that uh, that was the first time that's ever happened in college football history. I'm not stating emphatically that it is, but there is a really good chance. No one seems to be able to find uh, an example of, of a similar play in the past. And uh, good for Alabama and shame on Auburn. And uh, I can tell you this, Hugh Freeze uh, probably didn't sleep. And, and, and it started with rushing two and using a spy. Uh, if Auburn is in that end of game situation again, or Hugh is in that end of game situation again, He's gonna blitz or or rush for, and it reminded me. You know what it reminds me of is the Leitner, the Leitner, the Duke Kentucky. Yeah, uh, Grant Hill. You know, passed to Leitner, and Leitner makes the shot. And uh, I actually had a discussion with John Pelfrey when he was an assistant at Alabama. John Pelfrey, you know, we had him as an assistant one year, and I got to spend a few minutes with John, and I asked him about that because he was on the floor for Kentucky, and 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 he he you know, uh, it, it certainly came up, you know, about. Guard, you know, guarding the inbounder. And and Kentucky did not guard Grant Hill, sort of let him have a free pass in. And that's kind of what the Milrow thing, right? I mean, they didn't guard Milrow. They let him throw when and when and where he wanted it to and put him under no duress. I think that is what Auburn is going to lose sleep over, that aspect of it. It's not, oh, we didn't coach DJ James up enough. I think it's we should have called for some level of pressure there. The other thing that I, I've never seen before, somebody can tell me if it's happened before, Terry and Arnold had an interception to end the half and to end the game. I don't yeah. know that I've ever heard of one single player. Though, ever doing that. Well, the INT is not going to count at the end of the game. No, the INT will count. The touchdown won't. Oh, oh, that's right, because uh, because they, they ruled him out of bounds, right? Uh-huh. I'm still confused. See, initially, I thought they didn't count it because the clock may have been zero when, when Thorne took the snap. So I was like, oh, so it's just a non-play. I later learned that, no, that's not what they called. They called Taron out of bounds, and he was. He, he was. was. I've seen the he video was. photo. He was. So, uh, so yeah, so you are correct. I stand corrected. Uh, two interceptions, one that ended the half, one that ended the game, and then a uh, – and then a, a congratulations from Miss Terry after the game that I saw on video. Yeah, I, I guess he actually intercepted the ball both times with zeros on the clock. That's yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. 
what a good player. And, uh, but you know, we will at some point get into what went wrong in this game. And there was a lot, and it's mostly on that side of the ball. Uh, I didn't think Kool-Aid played particularly well. I he, thought the defense, defensive Jimmy, line I, I don't want to stop you right terrible. here. Let's, let's start yeah. there because, yeah. okay, we can say, okay, he didn't give up a lot in the passing game or whatever, I guess, but they weren't even a passing threat. His Some of his run defense was just, wow. I mean, he was jogging at times, it felt like. And, again, I love me some Kool-Aid McKinstry, but the effort on D from some guys that we needed stout effort from was not there. Now, I thought Caleb Downs, he had a couple of mistakes, but I think Caleb Downs makes his mistakes out of effort. He also had a great tackle for a loss. Um, I thought the defensive uh, pass, defensive line and the pass rush was eh until the very end. I mean, that last sack by Braswell was beautiful. I mean, man, that ball popped out of there like nobody's business. And frankly, Jimmy, I think that the lineman was down in the end zone. I thought they should have called a safety. He may have been down in the end zone. I know for sure what happened that I would, you know, what for sure what happened is when Jamarian Latham was running to the backfield, they literally tackled him. That's when like, well, the officials just stopped officialing mm-hmm. because I mean, that was like, I'm really sure you can't tackle defensive players. I'm pretty sure you can't. You're not allowed to tackle defensive players. Even if they're Jamarian going for a loose ball, I'm just curious. I, no, I don't think you can tackle them. I mean, that's a hold. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I I thought that was like outrageously bad. Uh, you, you just can't wrap your arms around a, a defensive player and bring them to the ground when they're playing defense. And, and you know, you uh, and, and I exactly talked about happened. it. You and I talked about it in our um, text thread that when we found out it was that Jason Autry crew, we were because that's the same crew that did the Tennessee game last year. Yeah. And they were atrocious last year. We talked about it before the game. This isn't Correct. anything we were doing in game. Like, how oh, did you notice these officials are? We talked about before the game. We're like, here we go. Now, and we were, we were right. Hey, we were, and, and they missed calls against, I mean, the face mask in particular was egregious. That was, and how, how do you miss that when the guy that has the ball was face masked? And what else are they wa- what else are they watching it was so bad and you know again we're not saying that and i don't i don't even like saying well, it was bad on both sides so it cancels out it really doesn't because they were worse against alabama later on in the game they were Correct. worse the, the face mask was awful they got to call that now it would have been an offsetting penalty because the penalty was actually on Auburn for blocking the back which is probably why they grabbed the face mask but the hold on the kendrick law thing was so stupid i mean that's 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 just so tic tac. That, that I thought it was call that to, every single play. Um, yeah, if you're if you're going to call that there, then you're going to call holding a lot. And then uh, um, I, I think that's a fact. I'm not saying it wasn't holding. I'm just saying if you're going to call that, then you're going to call a lot of holding penalties throughout the game, which they clearly did not. And then the um, the Jermaine Burton review thing. I'm going to say it for the thousandth time. Quit reviews. Quit them. They they ruin the momentum of the game. They take up a lot of time, and you don't get them right afterwards anyway. So just quit reviewing. And then, how do you not get that right? How how do you not get that right? That wasn't even that wasn't even that close. You know what I mean? There's was. a still photo that it, you know when it's like it was an obviously bad call. Which by the way, the official that had a good angle on the play. He said Burton was in. That's exactly right. And then right. he got overruled by an official that had a bad angle, and then they wouldn't overturn the call. Stupid. And then uh, the the basic beatdown of James Burnup by an Auburn player was just 
that was awful. I mean, that was player safety. You know, people, and I've heard they, too many how, people how say they ignore player safety calls. Well, and and that's what somebody said today on a national show. Like, look, bad, bad officiating when it cancels out or whatever, fine. But when you have a face mask like you had earlier in the game, and then you have a punter getting pummeled by a man twice his size, that's oh, a blindside play. block and a blindside block that began the whole thing. I mean, it was not just over-the-top personal foul. It was a blindside block that got burned up on the ground. And that's that's per, uh, player safety issues. And then, you know, what happened to me at the end of the game um, in terms of player safety, when the, the kickoff was returned at the end of the game, which, by the way, why the heck did Auburn bring the ball out of the end zone? I'll never know. But they did. And um, they, there was like a big fight. And people were grabbing each other's face. There's mm-hmm. Alabama and Auburn players. How there was and no flag. How was there no flag? I mean, call off setting, I guess. But I, I, I thought Auburn had instigated it to me, and I'm, I'm a biased homer, so you know Auburn fans shouldn't be listening anyway. But I, I mean, I thought Auburn instigated it. But even if they didn't, it should have. There was way too much contact there for there not to be some it, sort it of offsetting fouls. Way yeah, too cheap. Yeah. And that's the official's fault too when that happens Definitely. because they're not stopping it from happening. They're just quote letting it go, and you can't let stuff go. Or, or the inmates start running the asylum. There's letting go what you were talking about earlier, Isaiah Bond and DJ James sort of jockeying for yeah. position. There's letting that go, which I think is fine. I mean, because right. we've we've all learned to deal with that uh, receiver D, uh, DB uh, exchange. There's You can't let things go when people throw punches. And by the way, one of the officials got barreled over. I, I mean, watch a ton of NFL football, Luke, and I know you do too. I watch a ton. So I, I kind of in general have an idea how the best officials in the world officiate because I watch, I'm watching Falcons and Saints right now. But uh, what I'm saying is DJ James and Bond, if that happened in NFL game, there would be no, no, there would not be a flag thrown, not on the tugging of the jersey, not on Bond's push off. That would be no flag. The burn up thing, there would be a fine. That player would be no fined. That, 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 not just a flag. That player would be fined by the NFL and SEC officials saw it happen, saw it happen, happened right in front of them, did not throw a flag. When we come back, Jimmy, we are going to talk a little bit more about how long we should celebrate. Uh, We're going to keep talking about the Iron Bowl, though. There's some other things to get into, just some little nuanced stuff. Because I'm going to to milk this mother. Y'all can do what you want to. Y'all can talk about Georgia if you want to. I'm talking about this Auburn win because I thoroughly enjoyed it. But right now, I want to tell everybody about FanDuel. Look, right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet when you go to FanDuel. As the weather's getting colder, the NFL offers just stay hot right here on FanDuel. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right this very minute. The FanDuel app is so easy to use. Jimmy can use it. I can use it. You can use it. My mama can use it. Anybody can use it. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads and player props and over-unders and much, much more. Visit FanDuel slash locked on, FanDuel.com slash locked on, FanDuel.com slash locked on, and kick off the NFL season that is in full swing. And look, you can also do college basketball. You can do NBA. You can do college football. All that stuff. But FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. So, um, Jimmy, Jace McClellan walking out in a, well, I mean, crutching out on in a walking boot, I crutching. should say, um, 
that didn't look too good. He, he, I would suspect he's probably done for the Georgia game and maybe done beyond that. I don't know. The walking um, boots, not a problem, but the crutches are exactly. I mean, we, we have players with walking boots all the time that it's precautionary, but, uh, I just know myself, this is the way I'm looking at it, folks, and y'all can look at it however you want, but uh, I'm trying to recall the last time I saw an Alabama player on crutches seven days before a game, and, and he played, and I can't think of yeah. one. Yeah, that's tough. Um, so <laughs> so if- I'm, I'm assuming, assuming no Jays. I don't know. I'm assuming that's going to be the Roy Dell and Jam show. Okay, and you know what? I love Jason McClellan. But but I'm I can live with this injury. If, if the injury were to say Jermaine Burton or to say Amari Nablack or something like that, I'd be a lot more worried. Um, our running back room is pretty good. I think we have, you know, uh, one of our mutual buddies actually uh, texted in our chain, "Hey, this is a great for, time for Justice Haynes to maybe put a hobnail mm-hmm. boot in George's mm-hmm. face, you know? <laughs> just like dear old dad did uh, for, against Tennessee when he played for Georgia." Um, That's hilarious. But, so, other injury news out there? Any anybody else banged up? Uh, I would just say that uh, just general performance on defense. I'm a little personally worried about Deontay Lawson and Jalen mm-hmm. Key's health. I thought both of them played their worst game of the year. Uh, they obviously had missed time, and and last night was their first game back. And I didn't think either one of them played well. Uh, we need them healthier than they were because we need them to play and we need them to be healthy. That's what I would say about Jace. I mean, I, I'm going to miss. I think when he's 100% healthy, Jace is our best back. When he's not 100% healthy, I would rather see the other guys. And, and we're not going to get 100% healthy Jace here. So I'd just soon go with our healthiest back, whoever that happens to be. And uh, I think he's going to be a good player, whether it's Roy Dell Jam or Justice, who's going to be really fresh, you know, for this game. So, uh, But in terms of general overall health, I think overall it's probably pretty good. But at the same time, you can't get into game 13 and not be banged up. Uh, but we're not looking for sympathy. My understanding is that Brock Bowers and uh, Lab McConkey, two of their critical players, are, are, are both injured themselves. And, and I believe they're going to play next week. But uh, I don't think we're playing against 100% Brock or 100% Lad. And uh, I'll take it because those dudes are dudes for real. Yeah, they, man, we're going to be talking about Georgia a lot this week, guys. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, <laughs> right now, my gut feeling is Georgia wins that game. I might change my mind as the week goes on. I'm just telling you what I feel. I, I um, But that being said, I'm not going to let it damper what I'm believing right now. I will report some good news. I just was able to pull up on uh, your site, Jimmy, on on three. Andrew Bones said he has spoken to Ryan Williams today, who actually was there in Auburn for the Iron Bowl. He said he enjoyed the visit and they are trying to flip him, but he is 100% locked in with Alabama. He spoke to Isaiah Bond after the game, also took, talked with Holloman Wiggins and Tommy Rees and uh, T-Rob. He's excited about the upcoming game with Georgia and currently plans on attending the SEC championship game. So, I mean, I think all that's very, very good news. Good report, Bone. Yeah, way to go, Bone. Um, (laughs) One other uh, thing I want to throw out there, and and, boy, I want to end on a more positive note, but I think people could make this positive. Look, I told you I'd listened in the car to a lot of replays on this. I mean, I really did. I just put it on my Bluetooth and – uh, listen to it. It was awesome. But, um, you know, I, Eli Gold has, has been a staple at Alabama for a while, right? Mm-hmm. I thought his call of the of the game-winning touchdown catch was pretty uninspired. And I was disappointed in the sense that I couldn't help but think if Chris Stewart had made that call that 
mm. it would still give you chills. And and really, uh, I just wonder if if it's time to make that replacement. I, I'm not mad at Eli necessarily, nothing like that. I just feel like um, sometimes your homerism's got to show through. You can't, you know, go all Stan White and you know always blame something else, but you you and and get upset about every little play. But when you throw a touchdown to beat your arch rival on fourth and 31 at their place in a raucous environment at the most <laughs> Alabama had a 0.1% chance of winning that ball game at that point in time, according to ESPN, you, you got to go a little nuts, man. And it, it was so calm and collected. And uh, Tom Luganbill actually pointed that out when he, I, he, they replayed on the national show I was listening to. And he said, boy, you would think that that was like a, a second and and five uh, in the second quarter, the way Eli called that thing, and he was hmm. he was joking about it. But I mean, I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Huh? I don't. I I, I love uh, Chris Stewart, a friend of mine. Uh, I, I, I I I see the I think the world of uh, of Chris, and uh, one day Chris will be the full time voice of Alabama football. I believe that, and and that'll be great. And. Uh, hmm. Jimmy Stein, the diplomat, everybody. I don't want to be. I don't want to. I don't want to be. I mean, I I don't disagree with anything Luke said, and I'm not going to be critical of of Eli. I also, do not agree with through, and it was Luke his first said. road. It was it was his first road game, and uh, because of his health, so he had nerves. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying he might have been tired. Okay. Well, so was I, but I jumped <laughs> up when we played. Listen, let me tell you something. Yeah. I think I said this last night, but he knows who he is. I hugged a grown man. He knows who he is. He's listening to the show. Thanks for being there for me. Thanks for being there for me, buddy. (laughs) My son's in college at Arizona State, uh, Truett, and um, he has uh, Asperger's, which is on the autism scale. A lot of people know. And so it's sort of like um, the social interaction sometimes in like, it's just not his thing. Like he doesn't catch on to some things the way everybody else does. He's doing great in school, smart kid, does everything well, but it's like social cues sometimes don't. So he's not a big hugger. He's not a big, you know, I'll tell him every time, love you, buddy. He says, I'll talk to you later. You know, and it, <laughs> I know he loves me. I'm just saying my point is when that play happened. And again, my son's at Arizona state and he's an Eagles fan. He's not necessarily, he's for Alabama, but not worried about it. Like I am when that play happened, he and I jumped up without any kind of cue and hugged each other like he had just gotten back from the war. And um, <laughs> and so I was thinking, I can't. So many ways he had. I can't, that's true. I can't. I was like, I can't wait to hear the radio call of this. And so that's why it was so disappointing because I was like, I really think I could have like I couldn't do Eli's job full time. I mean, he's no. better at this than most everybody. Oh, but yeah. for that play, I could have done better. Uh, no, I was excited, but yeah, it's, that's a tough, it's a tougher job than people know. I mean, you know, I've done, I've done it professionally, but uh, uh, it, it's a tough job. I mean, the, the, it, you know, and just invite anybody can say, Oh, it's third and seven from the 24 yard line. Uh, I mean, but that's the job so much more than that. And, and, and it's making the calls and being a Homer is fine on the Crimson Tide sports network. It's, <laughs> it might not be fine on CBS yeah. when you seem to perpetually root for the underdog, because, and this is the thing, you know, Gary and Brad, that's what I believe. They're they're not anti-Alabama. I think they're probably pro-Alabama because both of them made a ton of money doing this job. 
primarily because people watch Alabama football games when they're on TV. So they're not anti-Alabama. But I think what happens is when Alabama's playing, the, the announcers root for a close game because that doesn't always happen. And I don't know if the Alabama people are aware of this, but when you have five or six million people watching a CBS broadcast, they're not all Alabama fans. They're not all Auburn fans. The majority of people that are watching a CBS broadcast are just football fans. They like football, not Alabama, not Auburn. They're watching football. So they're going to be rooting for two things, the underdog or a close game. And I think that Gary and Brad take that too far. I think they they want the, the game to be close so the casual fan who makes up the majority of the watchers don't turn the channel. They're like, God, when Alabama's up by 20, no one's going to watch our game. So I can get the subliminal or the hope that the game's close because that's how they get the big audience. But it comes across sometimes to people who are emotionally invested in the outcome like, dude, it sounds like you're pulling for the other yeah, team. Yeah. And this isn't the Auburn Sports Network. You're the CBS. Uh, so that's, that's, that's my take on it. But I do think it's real when people complain about uh, sometimes that the, the, those two announcers, uh, I, I feel like they take a little too far wanting the game to be tight. All right, Although buddy. I get why. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with more. We'll probably start getting into Georgia a little bit, so y'all be ready for it until then. Roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.